Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. So it's a favorite flaw. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 17 through 28, we're going to talk a little bit about Joseph today. And um, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to stay on the story of Joseph for the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to see where, where God takes it. But I'm going to read it, Genesis chapter 17, verse, or 37, verse 17 through 28. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, Joseph is an um, a old figure in the Bible. He has this dream that he is going to basically be a man of power over his brothers. He's, 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 number, he's the second youngest of 12. And so he has this dream, and he shares this dream with his brothers that he's going to basically be a, a very powerful individual, and one day they'll bow down to him. Even his parents bow down to him. So, so he shares this dream with them, and, and his brothers don't take well to it. They're, um, they're a little bit upset. Uh, I think they, they maybe went a little bit too far in the story, but, but they're a little bit upset with him. And so we find we're, we're jumping right into verse 17. It says, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan, and his father had sent him to give them so to go check on them. And verse 18 says, now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring them and bring him back to his father. So he's planning on rescuing Joseph. And so verse 23, so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. How nice, huh? What a nice brother. And his brothers listened. Then, Midian, then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lift him out, lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. So what a terrible, terrible thing to do, Right? Have you ever been mad at somebody? Right? Thank you. It's a, can we, let's talk back a little bit today. I know we got masks on, but you can say stuff still. These, these brothers were upset. They, were, they, they hated Joseph. Part of the reason was because Joseph was one of the only two sons from Rachel, who was his father's favorite wife. What a weird thing to say, huh? who was his father's favorite wife. And, and the father loved Joseph. And he, he, the scripture tells us that he gave him a special robe or a coat of many colors. And, and so the brothers were jealous of Joseph. And so they throw him into this pit because they hated him. And the story goes on. And we know, for most of us know the story of Joseph, which we'll probably get into a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. But the story goes on and Joseph gets sold into slavery but then there's this pivot in the book of Genesis. From 37 
basically to the end of Genesis is the story of Joseph. But there's this one chapter that stood out to me as I was studying the book. It pivots randomly, quickly to Judah. So we hear the story of Joseph. We hear that he's a dreamer. God's hand is upon him, and, and we know that he goes into prison. He gets out of prison. He goes to, the, to Pharaoh's house, and, and he gets his favor in Egypt, and he ends up becoming this powerful man, and, and, and now he's helping uh, Pharaoh run Egypt, and eventually the brothers go back to him for help. But I, will, I, I said, God, why did you pivot to Judah? He's this terrible person. Why, why do we go from Joseph... Judah, Joseph, the rest of Genesis. Begin to study this chapter. Now we're going to jump down to chapter 38, verse 1 through 7. It says, It came to pass at that time Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son and called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son and called his name Onan. She conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was at Shezib when she bore him. Then Judah took a wife for Ur, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. So here now we, we're talking about Joseph. We get this pivot to Judah. Now it's telling us that Judah has this family, but his sons are wicked. But he finds his son a wife named Tamar. And he, his, but the son was so wicked that after they had married, God kills the son. Why are we talking about Judah? Again, he's, a, he's, he's one who betrayed his brother. He's a liar. He's selfish. Why are we talking about this individual? When we hear the story of Joseph, can you be honest with me for, one, for a little bit? Yes? We, we hear it today? Come on, guys. When we hear the story of Joseph, if, if we're honest, we put ourselves in the story as Joseph. Anybody? Right? Well, people hurt me. People betrayed me. Can I, can I, can, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not Joseph. If there's anybody relatable in this story, it's not Joseph. It's Judah. Because Joseph was this man of integrity. He was this man of almost perfection. If you really look at the scripture, Joseph was a, a kind of a sign or, or, a, or a, a symbolic Jesus who basically gave his life so that all of the nation could be saved from the famine. I'm not Joseph. Now, if somebody betrayed me, threw me in a pit, and came asking me for help, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would help them. Am I being too honest today? Am I being too honest today? Should, somebody else needs to come up and preach this because, because I'm not Joseph. I'm Judah. Can somebody say, I'm not Joseph? Okay, we got some. That's cool. The mask mumbled it a little bit, but that's all right. See, Joseph was the star of the story. He was the star. He was, he was the man. But there was something significant about Judah 
that God wants us to see. And really, I begin to pray. I say, God, what are, what are you doing? Why, why? I don't, this, 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 if you read chapter 38, it's a, it's drama. And I was like, God, why are you, why are you showing me this? And what he pointed out to me, he's showing me is that, is that this story is there to show us that God uses flawed individuals for his flawless work. That God calls those who are really messed up. Do I have any messed up people in the church today that could say, I need some help? See, God calls those who are flawed to be used for his flawless work. I'm not Joseph. I'm Judah. I'm a flawed individual that needs God's help. See, Joseph's family line was by no means perfect, not even close. You look at his father. His father stole from Esau, so, so, from the, so the birthright from his older brother. In fact, when he meets Joseph's mother, he's on the run because he lied to his brother. And now his brother wants to kill him, so now he's on the run. He meets Rachel. He, he, he has a family with Rachel, and he has more kids with other women. Now you got this mixed family, and now the brothers betray Joseph. And it's just this line of really, really bad people. Then Judah comes. Judah had the bright idea to say, well, why don't we sell him so that I can get something from his life? How selfish was that? Then just say, leave him. Say, no, no, we don't get nothing if we just leave him there. Let's sell him so that we can get something. So now Joseph is not only a liar and a betrayer, but he's also a very selfish person. And then we jump to verse to chapter 38. He marries a Canaanite woman who is not supposed to do that. And then check this out. This is what happens. So Judah finds a wife for his son named Tamar. And Tamar, her husband dies because he's evil. And so Judah tells her, hey, stay in the family. I'm going to let you marry my youngest son when he's ready. So I need you to stay in the family. Stay with us. But he doesn't, he never fulfills that promise. Now, I'm not going to read all these verses, but in 38, 12 through 18, Tamar hears that Judah's coming into her to an area. And so what Tamar does is she poses as a prostitute so that Judah could sleep with her. He does that, and she conceives twins. Then somebody tells Judah, hey, your daughter-in-law is a prostitute. And he says, well, go find her so we can burn her and kill her. How hypocritical is this man? That he can sleep with a prostitute, but if he knows someone who is one, he'll kill him. How hypocritical is this individual? And then he finds out that, yeah, Tamar posed as a prostitute, but it was the prostitute that he used. And now she has his children. Why is this blip in the story of Joseph? This, this random pivot to Judah. See, we see that God ends up blessing Judah, and we're going to get into that. But I asked the Lord, why are you showing me this flawed individual it's because flaws won't stop God. Flaws won't stop God. 
my past, my mistakes, the things that I used to do don't define who I am right now. Who you used to be is not who you are today. Flaws won't stop God. I'm not my mistakes. My past is dead. My past is gone. I've been forgiven. I've been renewed. So what God is showing us is that even those who are flawed can still be blessed. Even those who are flawed can still be favored. Even those who are flawed can still be called. I don't know about you, but I'm happy to hear that God uses broken people. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not I who live anymore. See, what the enemy does when we come to God, when we give our lives to Jesus, what he does is he tries to get us to identify with who we used to be. I think sometimes we forget what it means to be a new creation. When we're forgiven, it does not mean that God has just forgiven us and kept a log of all of our past sins. When we come to Jesus, we are cleansed and made brand new. But what the devil will do when you try to live right is he'll try to get you to believe that you, all you are going to ever be is your mistakes. You know the ones that he led you to do himself? And once he gets you to do them, he'll get you to identify yourself as them. And if you identify yourself as your past mistakes, guess, the, guess what kind of life you're always going to live? The life of your mistakes. If you believe that you're still your old person, guess how you're going to act? Like you're still the old person. But God, but flaws cannot stop God. So when we come to Jesus, we are called to walk in our new nature. My new nature. You know the one that wants to please God? The one that wants to do what's right? The one that doesn't want to yell when you get into an argument? You know, the one that knows what is right and wants to do what's right, that's the new nature. And when we come to Christ, he's, he's calling us to walk in that. The hard part is, guys, is that when we try to claim salvation while living the old nature. You know, I might step on some toes today. Is that all right? Uh, but listen, it's not for you guys. This is for the online people. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looks like to live in your old nature because most of us will say, well, I never want to go back to that. But yet we still say, well, well, babe, I'm sorry that I yelled at you that way. That's just how I've always been. Well, well, I, I know that I shouldn't spend my money like this, but that's just... How I've always been. I know that I shouldn't treat people the way that I treat them, but that's how my dad was, and that's how my mom was, and, and that's just how our family, that's just how we've always been. Yeah, we'll let go of the, the really, really bad things, right? The things that we know are wrong, 
But when it comes to giving up things that we identify with, that's when the old excuse, that's just how it's always been. Well, you treat your wife like that? That's just how it's always been. You talk to your husband like that? That's just how, that's just how we are. That's how our marriage works. Man, you need to figure something new out. Am I, are we good today? I love you guys, all right? I'm preaching to my old self is what I'm doing. But we, li- we try to live with the old nature. The only way our flaws will cause God to skip over our life is if we never give them to him. And say, okay, God, you can have my life except for this. God, you can, you can have my life except for these drinks. It, it, it doesn't say in the Bible that it's a sin. Come on. But you know what God is telling you to do. Oh, God, I'll give you, I'll give you everything except for this music. Because it's not that bad. Come on. But, but you know what God is telling you to do. God, you can have my whole life except for my movie collection. God, I've worked real hard on it. Like, would you watch those with him? God, you can have everything but my secret life that, that my spouse doesn't know about and my, my kids don't know about and my friends don't really. This, this life of mine, God, that I have right here is where I find comfort and it's where I run to when I'm frustrated and I'm sad. So, God, this little bit you can't have because if I give it to you, that means I got to tell my spouse. So what are we doing? We're saying we want the new nature but holding on to the old nature. This is making sense this morning. This is, this is good. Can I, can I tell you why it's okay to talk about these things? Because we all deal with them. Or am I, is this me? <laughs> Lord, help me, please. We all deal with these things, but we never want to talk about it. We, we want to stay away from it. It's like, well, if you want people to, if you want to grow your church, you got to tell everybody they're a saint. I'm, I'm bad. I need God. I need Him. I don't want to live my old nature. I don't want to hide things from my family. I don't want to, I don't want to treat people badly. I don't want to yell at my wife. I don't want to yell at my kids. I don't want to be like how I used to be. I want to be who God's called me to be. Anybody else in, there, in this room relate with me? Amen. That we're flawed individuals who needs God. We need God. But flaws won't stop God when we give our lives to him because God uses those who are flawed. He uses those who are broken. You know, you know and I've said this many times before, and some people are like, hey, don't say that about yourself, but I'm just being honest with you. You know how many times I've said, God, I should not be pastoring I, I know myself, God, and I don't know what you were thinking <laughs> when you called me here. But thank God that he uses broken people. Because if he didn't, I wouldn't be standing up here today. 
1 Corinthians 1.27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Jacob, flawed. Judah, flawed. You go back, you look at Moses, Noah, Abraham, flawed. You look at Paul, Peter, the disciples. They were all flawed. They were all people that made mistakes. They were all broken individuals. If God could use them, why can't he use you? Why can't God use your life? King David, flawed, used by God. Why can't God use us? He can use your life. He's he's the God of the second chance. Does anybody have any regrets in life? Like, man, I wish I can go back and have a do-over. I wish I can go back and, and change the way that I, that I said that or that I did that or the fact that I went there or talked to that individual that I shouldn't have talked. Like, but God, when, when we come to God, he gives us a second chance to do what's right. So at the end of this in, in, in Genesis 44, and I don't want to read it again, but Joseph is now at, at the, the, basically the highest level in Egypt. And there's a famine, and it's affecting Judah and his brothers and his father. And they have a younger son named Benjamin. And Benjamin was actually younger than Joseph, and, and he's actually the, uh, the other son from Rachel, their father's favorite. And the scripture even tells us here that Benjamin was, was their father's favorite. And so Joseph was basically hiding his identity from them. He didn't want them to know who he was. And he tells them to go back home because they come to Egypt for help. And he says, go back home and get your younger brother and bring him here. So they bring him here. And long story short, it ends up to where Joseph is still hiding his identity. And he tells the brothers, he says, Benjamin has to stay here as my slave. You guys go back home. Take the food that you need and go back home. Kind of familiar. At one point, Judah says, let's sell Joseph into slavery, his younger brother, the son of Rachel. Now, years later, Benjamin is about to be sold into slavery for the benefit of the brothers. But Judah stands up for Benjamin. And he says, wait a minute. Take me instead. Let me stand in Benjamin's place so that he can go back with my brothers and to be with my father. It was like Judah had this chance to finally stop being selfish. To finally do something so that somebody else could have the benefits. And Judah takes this opportunity after he had lived selfishly, after he had lived as a person, as a liar, as a betrayer, as as just a terrible, terrible person. Now he has this chance to do what's right. So he makes the right choice after all of his failures, all of his flaws, all of his mistakes. He now has this moment to say, hey, wait a minute. Take me. Listen, your failures are not final. Just because you've tried and failed doesn't mean it's over. Just because you've tried and made mistakes doesn't mean God's done with your life. 
I don't know what your background is. I don't know if you've been in church before and really tried to make it work and something happened and now you stopped coming. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what your marriage looks like if, it, if it's fallen apart and you've tried to make it work and it, it just doesn't work at all. It's, it's like things are not just, they're just, it's not working. It's, 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 you're about to call it. Can I say that failure isn't final? Can I tell you if you failed, try again. And if you fail again, try again. Don't give up after making mistakes. Don't give up on your marriage, please. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your passion. Don't give up on the calling that God has placed in your life just because you made mistakes. Failure is not final. Do you think that God calls us and says, okay, I'm calling you, and you better not make any mistakes. Could, could it be that God, in his infinite knowledge and wisdom and eternal thinking and this being that he just created everything, he knows all, could it be that God knew you would make a mistake? Do you think, do you think maybe that it's possible that God knew that when he called me, he knew all the mistakes that I was going to make before I even got, to, got the chance to make them. Do you think that God he maybe knew? And if he did, he still calls you. Failure isn't final. You've made a mistake, get up. Keep going. Try again. Proverbs 24, 16, this is my favorite scripture, says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. It doesn't say the righteous man will never fall. It says he will fall, but the righteous get back up. Some of us today, you need to get back up. You need to start fighting for your home again. You need to start fighting for your life again. You need to start fighting for your calling again. God has called some of you men in here. God has placed a calling on your life that you've let go because you've gotten lazy and mundane with life. Now, when I say lazy, I don't mean you don't work hard. I mean you've gotten lazy with the things of God. But God has called you. Get back up. Because when you get back up, you don't get, alone. You don't get up alone. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers you to do what's right. He empowers you to keep going. You know, maybe, maybe you just got to say, God, I'll do it, but I can't do it alone. God, I'll try again, but I can't go alone. God, I'll fight again, but I cannot fight alone. My last point right here, and I'm done, okay? Is this blessing anybody today? I was looking for my wife. She's with the kids. Thank you, David. So why was the title The Favor Flaw? What was that about? What is, this, what is the point of talking about Judah and all these different things? Yeah, he, he makes the right choice at the end. But I begin to look, and, and now I'm, not, I'm no Bible scholar, okay? I'm still learning, okay? But I begin to look up, okay, what, what does Joseph's lineage look like? Who, you know, I'm hoping to see that maybe Jesus came from Joseph. Because that makes sense. Right? 
Like, it makes sense that Joseph's this, this man of integrity, this man who does what's right, who lives to please God. It would make sense that Jesus, Jesus came from Jude, or from Joseph. That would make sense. But as I begin to read, we go back to Judah. All of his flaws, all of his mistakes, this man who, who was not a good person, betrayed his brother, sold his own blood to, to, for, to slavery, it points back to Judah. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to jump down to verse 16. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah. It doesn't say Joseph. Joseph's the star. Joseph's the, the guy of Genesis. But it says, and Jacob begot Judah. Now I'm thinking, okay, all right. Well, Judah, Judah maybe he, he found another woman and, and, and he made his life better towards the end. No, 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 look, let's keep. Verse 3, and Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Who was Tamar? Tamar was his daughter-in-law who posed as a prostitute so he would sleep with her. This should say Joseph. It's, in, in my opinion, now, I'm not that smart, so it would make sense, and Jacob begot Joseph. No, and Jacob begot Judah, and Judah and Tamar, out of that filthy relationship, comes twins. And in that genealogy, we find Jesus Christ, the favored flaw. That even in our flaws, God shows favor. Even all, after all that Judah had done, all his mistakes, God showed him favor. Why? Because God uses flawed people for his flawless work. After all this, but listen, I'm not Joseph, I'm Judah. And if God can use that Judah, he surely could use me. And if God could use me, I'm telling you for sure, God can use you. I'm not Joseph, I'm Judah, but I got the favor of God, and so do you. He's the God of redemption. Your flaws don't stop God. He doesn't need flawless people. He needs faithful people. People that will say, God, I need you. Take my life, the broken pieces of my life, and put it together for your glory so that you can be glorified. God has called you. God has called you. It's easy to look at the guy with the mic and say, yeah, yeah, God. No, 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 forget about me. For, don't look at me. Look, look somewhere. <laughs> look. God has called you. Your life has purpose. You have destiny. 
You're not an accident. I don't know what your, your past looks like, but you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God designed you and perfectly called you for his work. I'm not Joseph. I'm Judah. This, this is the gospel story. That a perfect, loving Savior would come down to sinners. Take our sins on the cross so that God can look at us as righteous. Luke 5.32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. I'm not Joseph. I'm Judah. And if God could use Judah, God can use us. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.